Welcome, everybody, to the live Sober Heathen podcast. Dude, Lonnie, thank you for making that intro. I am over here. You can't see it when, uh, when the intro's playing, but I am jamming, dude. It is rock solid. I, I listen to it four or five times before I start a live every single time, man. I, thank you, Lonnie, for that, for that awesome intro. Uh, great podcast today. This is a returning guest. Um, the first time we, we dove into it a little bit, it was a great conversation, but I think it, it absolutely warrants another uh, visit. Uh, Katie's great. She's doing a lot of great things on X, uh, super positive message. Um, whether TSM is going to be for you or not, it doesn't matter. She, her message is, is a positive one, right? And I, I think we need to have more of those in the recovery community as or as many of those as we can possibly have. So yeah. Katie, thank you for joining me again. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, just if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then what is the Sinclair Method? Yeah, thanks for having me back again, Scott. I really appreciated connecting with you. I don't know how long we've been in touch now, maybe close to a year or something. So appreciate yeah. being able to, you know, chat with you about these things, even though our recovery paths were different. Like we're not saying my path is better than yours or vice versa. So it's for really sure. awesome to have these conversations. So um, just in brief, I... Um, I struggled with alcohol for nearly 10 years and um, we were talking before you hit record how you have your dare shirt on. And I just remember being before I developed my alcohol problems, I was like, that's something that happens to someone over there. Like I'm invincible to this issue, even though it runs in my family. I thought for some reason it wouldn't impact me. Um, so in my early 20s, I started drinking really heavily, like a lot of people do in the U.S. since it's the legal drinking age and um I thought it was just a phase, something I would outgrow one day. Um, but what happened was within a few years of me really drinking very heavily, like I was really into vodka when I first started drinking and my boyfriend at the time we lived together, we just get a half gallon every couple of days and we go through it really quickly. Um, and I just remember one day, I couldn't remember the last day that I'd been alcohol free. Like it had been more than a year since I had one day without drinking. And so I was like, that's kind of scary. I'm like in my mid twenties, let me, let me take a break from alcohol and kind of detox. And it surprised me how difficult that week was. Like I was truly white knuckling it and just kind of forcing myself not to drink and kind of looking toward the end of that week long break. Like, okay, I can drink again on day eight. Um, so I made it the seven days, but by day eight, I returned back to it again. And um, that was really the first attempt of probably dozens of attempts of me trying to quit alcohol, whether I'd make it a day, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I just kept trying and failing. Um, until in 2017, I learned about the Sinclair method, which is a treatment that's been around for over 30 years, but a lot of people still don't know about it, which is just blows my mind. But when I first learned about it, I was like, this is too good to be true. Like I didn't believe a treatment like that existed, but 2017, I learned about it and, um, 
it changed everything. And now I can't stop talking about it. I'm completely free from my alcohol addiction because of this treatment. And I, yeah. Do you have any questions about that or I can dive into the method? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the method, but I want to point out something. I mean, you struggled with this for 10 years. This isn't something that you were, you know, um, and, and then definitely for that last year, as you said, you couldn't remember a day that you went without alcohol. So the, the people get off into the weeds and they want to talk about, you know, real alcoholic and not real alcoholic and all this other crazy nonsense. 10 years is a problem, right? And you recognize that and that especially that last year and then you decide, okay, I want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So then, so now you, you found the, the uh, Sinclair method. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about a little bit more, you know, okay. So I, I want to stop. I want to try the Sinclair method. What, what do I do? Yeah. Um, and I want to say too, just real quickly, that you know I sincerely wanted to get this issue under control for years before I found this method. Like I genuinely was so sick and tired of it. I hated what it was doing to my life. And so sometimes I think when people don't understand addiction, they're like, "Oh, you don't really want to get better." But the truth yeah. is, like I, in my core, wanted to get better, but it seemed like my brain was hijacked by the alcohol to where like it was more powerful than my willpower to say, okay, I'm not going to drink. So sure. Sure. Um, that's where the Sinclair method was a game changer. It's not like any other treatment out there because um, this treatment works to fix issues with alcohol on a neurological level. And um, the term we use now, you mentioned the real alcoholic, um, the term that's used in like the medical community now is alcohol use disorder. And it has a whole list of questions from what's called the DSM-5, where a doctor can, you know, decide if someone has an alcohol use disorder and where they fit on the spectrum. Is it mild? Is it moderate? Or is it severe? And somebody posted on Twitter recently about kind of this topic. And I think what's, you know, when people talk about real alcoholic, just because somebody isn't drinking like I was like round the clock vodka, you know, right. doesn't mean they don't have an alcohol problem. I've met people, they drink three glasses of wine every night, but they have to have those three glasses. And if they don't, they're irritable and they're, you know, frustrated. And that's a sign of alcohol withdrawal. So kind of side tangent, like there's no, a spectrum of different levels of the disorder. Yep. Um, but with the Sinclair method, so again, it's been around for over 30 years. There's tons of clinical trials into this treatment. It uses the medication naltrexone, which is a generic, cheap, non-addictive medicine that um, is taken one hour before drinking alcohol. And what happens over time when someone takes this medicine and then drinks alcohol on it, that's the Sinclair method. You take naltrexone, you wait one hour and you drink. This medicine is blocking receptors in the brain that would otherwise be getting a flood of endorphins and feel-good hormones when we drink. And that's really why alcohol and any drug is addictive is because it's very pleasurable and very rewarding. And so when, when drinking on naltrexone, it kind of blunts that pleasure. It's not an abuse. A lot of people confuse it with that. It's not like it makes you sick or it makes drinking this terrible experience. It just kind of tones it down a bit and makes it a little less exciting, a little less euphoric. And so for me, I started on this treatment as a daily drinker. And I noticed some changes in the beginning when I started on this medicine, but it was not an overnight fix. It's not like all of a sudden I was like free from the addiction. It was more subtle changes like, oh, I'm drinking a little more slowly or my craving for alcohol is not as intense or, hey, I had an alcohol free day and it wasn't just an act of me white knuckling and willing. And it was like, I just didn't feel like drinking. And so what happened for me over time with this treatment, what the research shows and what happens for a lot of us is when we drink repeatedly on this medicine, it causes our brain to really 
unlearn the alcohol addiction because we we drink we don't get the same rewarding effects it can still be enjoyable but it's not as enjoyable and just as an example the longer i was on the treatment i'd be like yeah i feel like some wine take naltrexone and i have one two glasses and i'd be like i'm good i don't need any more wine like it gave wow. me this off switch that i never had before and so um for a lot of people through this treatment over time usually six months 12 months maybe a year and a half or so they get to a place where they're just indifferent to alcohol. And when that happens, they can choose to drink in moderation, like champagne at a wedding or wine at a Friday night and not binge or go overboard. They have this control. Or like me, I ended up quitting alcohol after a year on this treatment, really, because I was just like so uninterested in alcohol. And I tell people I forget. I forgot to drink because I was just like, <laughs> I didn't want to drink. So that's, that's a bit about the method. That's that's crazy. So you're telling so You've seen people do the Sinclair method and turn the, back into moderate drinkers. They just drink at social events or weddings. You've seen that. Oh, I, I've lost count how many times. I mean, I was one person, you know, but I've also, I have a YouTube channel. I've got, I don't know, 30 yeah. success stories. Plus I've just worked as a coach. I was counting, I've coached over 200 people through this treatment. And so I've seen it more times than I can count. You know, and it's not crazy. Okay. So that's what I want people to understand. This, this isn't like, this is like some, wackadoo thing that's just you know even even if and, and I, I i'm what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to find common ground here where people can you know have open discussions and, and not get their feelings hurt right so even the big book says and you know science has not yet done so but one one day it might mm -hmm. this could be the one day 30 yeah. years ago when they started doing naltroxone and then doing the sinclair method this might be what bill was talking about when science hasn't accomplished this yet exactly the, the yet might have happened. Yeah. And I was talking with Dr. Joseph Volpicelli. He's a researcher who was literally the one responsible for getting naltrexone FDA approved for alcoholism in the 90s. Like he's a brilliant physician and researcher. And just talking to him yesterday about this. And he was like, you know, Bill was more open minded than that. Like I think okay. AA came from like him doing LSD or something. Don't quote me on that. That's nope. like something I heard. But I he, got you like if they kept updating the big book, they might now include naltrexone as an option or other medications as options or things outside of AA, but they have not been updating it for one reason or another. And I think the common ground is important because what I've seen, I, there's a lot of people I've worked with and known who went from AA to TSM. And what I've heard over and over again is they tried AA. They even tried for decades off and on some of these sure. people and they kept relapsing. They kept relapsing because they were craving alcohol and it's that craving that causes people to relapse. Yeah, you might have a crappy day and that's the excuse, but you wouldn't do something if you didn't desire it anymore. Sure. Um, so not to say that this is better than AA or we should offer this instead of AA. It's just anyone who's in recovery knows somebody who can't stay sober. And there's data yeah. to show that a lot of people relapse in traditional recovery. And so for people to know like, hey, if you're struggling to stay sober, this might be like a small step you can take using this uh, treatment that's got decades of research behind it using a non-addictive medicine that will cost you less than a dollar a pill. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And that kind of segues into things. So to, to kind of uh, piggyback what you're saying about the LSD thing. So Bill had went through, he created AA and he did all these things and he was sober for years, but he, he couldn't get over the hump. It was that spiritual malady that he talked about. And so, yes, he did use, um, now LSD was legal uh, through doctors then, and he used LSD and then he had a spiritual awakening and that's what really got him going in his recovery. So right there, you already know that 
the creator of this book was open-minded to other options, right? This is a good guideline to get, you know, get some of your crap out, get it on paper, talk to somebody about it, you know, but that wasn't the fix all. And he said that more than once. I was just reading an article this morning uh, about that, um, that the steps weren't enough. So that segues into the next question was, so with the people that are working the Sinclair method, uh, does doing the Sinclair method and, and gradually tapering down your drinking or just working the, the method itself, do most people also need therapy or is it a combination of things? You know, cause AA is like, you, you know, um, you just work the program and that's it. Yeah. But as being a recovery coach and seeing what I've seen, you know, you can find a program like AA and you can go to those meetings, but you've got to supplement that with something else too, like yeah. therapy or counseling. Yeah. And the research shows that if someone's being prescribed naltrexone from their doctor, they should be doing it coupled with some type of behavioral support or counseling support. And the key there is, is that that support cannot be promoting abstinence, which might sound crazy, but the way this method works is to help people reduce their drinking. So if they're going to a counselor that's like, you're still drinking, you need to stop drinking. It's really counteractive to how this treatment works over time to kind of remove the additional addiction neural pathways. So what the research showed is that counseling and therapy support, group support is vital to success with the medicine, whatever that person wants to use, you know, like we have right. a program or there's free online Sinclair method groups or Facebook groups, people work with the therapist, whatever, but using a support program that is going to focus on alcohol reduction instead of forcing abstinence. And I was honestly humbled a few months into this treatment because I went on the medicine thinking, great, this pill is going to help me drink less, like no more hangovers. And it did that. But a few months in, I was met with all of these emotions that I'd been numbing out and reasons why I was drinking that started to come to the surface because I was drinking less. I was not as numb because I was using the protocol, but I, um, I realized there was a lot uh, more to my drinking patterns than simply like having a bad habit of drinking too much. So I actually had to make a lot of life changes. I took a leave of absence from work. I went to therapy. Um, So I'm kind of one example about, yes, the medication is powerful, but I often tell people you have to meet it halfway and work to change your lifestyle and habits around drinking as well. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to bring that up because I people will hear what they want to hear. And I, this is not an advertisement of a take a pill and it's in your cure. That's yeah. not, that's not what it is. There's like you said, meet halfway. I, I like the way you said that. So, um, <clears throat> so as a person that has done the Sinclair method, we were talking about this before we came on, um, you reposted a video today and make sure to check out uh, Katie's stuff. Um, I'll, I'll let her plug that anytime she wants throughout this discussion and at the end. Um, but make sure to check out her content because it's great. But she posted a video today from 2017 after an incident at where she worked. Um, I, you were two and a half months in in that video. Just as somebody that's done the Sinclair method, just talk a little bit like what you were feeling the best you can um, around two months, yeah. uh, two and a half months or so. Yeah, so I reposted a video on my YouTube channel. It's Thrive Alcohol Recovery if you want to go find it. I just posted it the other day. Um, But basically, the video was talking about this experience I had at work where someone I used to work at a retreat center and someone came to stay. Long story short, he ended up passing out. The cleaners found him. He had a huge gash in his head and he had to be airlifted out of there and taken to a hospital because it's a really remote retreat center. 
and I was responsible for cleaning up his room and getting him all his stuff. And when I went through his stuff, all I found was like bottles of wine, liquor bottles, corks, wine glasses, like clearly he had an alcohol problem and that's what led to his fall in the first place and had to, he had to be airlifted out because he got so drunk, he passed out and hit his head. So it was really interesting to be two months into the method and have that firsthand experience of someone who was decades older than me and probably decades in this alcohol use disorder cycle and the consequences that can come from that. So it was a very emotional experience for me because I really, I struggled with alcohol for 10 years. At that time, I was still um, like late 20s, maybe 30. I'm not sure how old I was, about 29, 30. And um, just seeing myself in him and realizing like, if I hadn't found this method and medication, who knows where I would have been in five, 10, 20 years down the road. Because right before I learned about naltrexone, I was honestly surrendering to the fact, I remember it so clearly, I was sitting at my kitchen table, just feeling so hopeless. Like, well, maybe, maybe I'm just an alcoholic. Like maybe that's the hand of cards I've been dealt in this life and I've just got to accept it. Like I was really kind of coming to terms with the fact that this was going to be a lifelong thing because I couldn't get out of the the struggle. Um, and so two months into the method, um, I was still drinking quite a bit at that time. I was probably still drinking like five days a week and, you know, a decent amount when I was drinking. But I know from day one, when I started naltrexone, I never blacked out again. I never browned oh. out again. So I, even though I was still drinking a lot, my drinking had curtailed to the point where I wasn't drinking to blackout, which I was drinking to blackout regularly, like a couple yeah. times a week, probably. Um, and so I just remember being a couple months in and that moment was very eye-opening for me and just kind of solidified my gratitude for being able to find this treatment accidentally and seeing the changes I had seen in myself just a couple months in. Again, I was still drinking a lot, but I wasn't blacking out anymore. I was seeing myself have more control. I was having these alcohol-free days that weren't very, very difficult. And I could just see this transformation starting to come in my life um, because of what this treatment was doing for me. So it was a very sobering experience to witness that and also just made me feel very grateful. And kind of, I remember thinking like, I feel like I dodged a bullet. Like for some reason I stumbled on this unknown treatment and it's actually working. Like it, it was, it was a godsend to be honest. Jesus, you know, I, it gets me excited. Like, like I, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting a dopamine hit talking about this or not, because I think I am like for people that are struggling, you know, two months. Okay. So, two months and all of a sudden you're not blacking out, you're still drinking, but you're not blacking out. That is like, that is unthinkable for me to continue to drink and not black out. Right. Right. And so, and it's two months. So again, I talk a lot about AA and I, I know that people that watch the podcast know that I'm not anti-AA. I think mm -hmm. it helps people and I'm, I want people to um, get the correct, you know, not, not listen to what, the gatekeepers are saying and the stuff that they're adding to it. So to tell somebody like, you know, in two months time in AA, that's like nothing. It's like shut down, shut up, make coffee, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth kind of crap. You know, you're nobody at two months, but at two months you are already having life changes mm -hmm. with this medicine, you know, and, and to a non-alcoholic might be like, so you weren't blacking out, but you're still drinking every day. What's the big deal? It's a big fucking deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big fucking deal. So, you know, and I want to say something else, too, that you'd mentioned, and I forgot to mention it after you were talking about um, the, the support groups and things. One of the worst things that can happen 
I feel, because it was one of the worst things that could happen to me. When I started AA and I got like a month into it and I started developing relationships, I relapsed. I lied through my ass to those people because I didn't want them to think a certain way of me. Now, whether they would have or not, that's that's my worry. You know, well, you got to start all over. You got to start your time over to be able to have these groups that are supporting you in this process, because that's what it is. It is a process to go yeah. cold turkey on this thing is so hard mm-hmm. to do it without help uh, medically or, or, you know, and, and by medically, I mean, not only whether it be naltrexone, but I'm talking therapy and counseling to try to do this with just talking with people in a room mm-hmm. is very, very hard to do. And then when you fail, the support isn't always what it should be. Yeah. And so, you know, this just, there's, there's so many, if you're struggling with quitting alcohol, I mean, this is a viable option to give it a shot because what's it going to hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, I wish, I wish I would have known about this in 20 freaking 20, <laughs> you know, when the wheels started to fall off. I wish yeah. I would have known something. So uh, I wanted to ask too, what popped in my head now, what's the difference between the Vivitrol shot and naltrexone or the Sinclair method? What, what, yeah. what's, what's the differences there? Yeah, so naltrexone is used in several ways for alcohol addiction. There's been research into a variety of ways to use it. So the Sinclair method is for people who are currently drinking and they want to start uh, recovery by cutting back on alcohol. A lot of people, I'd say most people start this treatment with a goal to be a normal drinker, a social drinker, a moderate drinker. Um, and some, I would might estimate like 25%, like they know they want to quit drinking at the end. So that's who the Sinclair method is for. But to be honest, a lot of people, I was one of those people, I was like, I'm never going to quit drinking. But after a year on this treatment, I, it was like very easy to quit drinking. I didn't even mean to, I just did. So people's goals often evolve over time. But what's cool about TSM is it meets a person where they're at. Cause you know, when we're struggling with alcohol, the thought of never drinking again is like terrifying. terrifying. Um, so for people to be like, okay, I can see myself reducing, like that's a good step. And then they continue on the treatment. Um, naltrexone in the tablet form outside of TSM is sometimes like, it's the same medicine and everything, but sometimes it's used daily for people who are alcohol free to help with alcohol cravings, because it's been shown that it may help with alcohol cravings. And I get comments on my videos a lot from people who say that it has helped with their cravings and they don't drink. So that's another way to use it. If someone's currently sober and they want, they're still craving and they want to see if this can help. It's a pretty benign medicine. Like it's worth a shot in my opinion. And then the Vivitrol shot is a long acting injection. So it's a 28 day shot that someone gets in their behind and it can be used for either drink reduction or being alcohol free. Um, and again, helping with cravings, uh, with the Sinclair method in the shot, what, how I understand it is, you know, typically you get it every 28 days, but what I've learned from physicians is that the shot actually really wears off around like the three week mark. So if someone is still drinking on the shot form of Vivitrol, um, their doctor may have them be taking the naltrexone tablet in addition to it or getting the shot more frequently than the 28 day mark. Um, The Vivitrol shot, if someone still wants to do the Sinclair method, but they might struggle with compliance because you do have to, you know, be diligent in taking the medicine before drinking. And sometimes compliance is a challenge for people. Um, The doctor may put them on the Vivitrol shot just to ensure that, you know, they have to make that decision once and they've got the medicine in their system for, you know, the next three to four weeks. Yeah, they, uh, they told me the the doctor in this area, he told me he wasn't going to give me the Vivitrol shot because I drank too heavy. 
Huh. And he said that I wouldn't feel my drunk and I would keep drinking trying to chase it. That's what he told me. See, that's such, I was just talking again, Dr. Volpicelli, he's become the medical advisor at our, at our program. And so I was talking to him about this because I see that comment. I even saw it from a pharmacist on my YouTube and she's like, you can't drink on this medicine because it blocks the buzz. Um, you can't feel you're drunk. But what Dr. Volpicelli was saying is that I think there's this misunderstanding with how it works for opiates because it is used for opiate use disorder. Right. If someone's on naltrexone and they take an opiate, they won't feel the effects. And so there may be risk of overdose on opiates, but that's not true with naltrexone. You still get drunk on naltrexone. Yes. You still feel the buzz, but it's just not as exciting or as euphoric. Like when I would start my first drink, I'd be like, I'm already thinking about the second, the third, the fourth, you know? But with this, it just kind of slowed that down and I wasn't thinking about my drinking as much, but you, you can still get drunk on the medicine. And I can verify that because I was prescribed naltrexone to take it daily. Um, ah, so you but, know. Right, and I did still get drunk. So I just quit taking it. You know, eventually I was like, well, this is too much work. I can't. I can't plan my day out and get this alcohol in here and get it hidden and, and still take remember to take these pills in the morning. So I just said, screw it. But the, the big difference with the, the Sinclair method is that you take it. Okay. I'm drinking tonight. I'm going to take it one hour before I start drinking. Right. That's the yeah. meat and potatoes of it. Okay. Yeah, man, this is just, this is exciting stuff. I mean, I think this is really important. I really hope people listen to this and, and give it a, um, give it a good listen. Um, so I got a, um, some questions that were um, thrown out there for some people. Um, I'll go ahead and just read it that way. I'm not misrepresenting. Um, how do you think your message is received overall on social media, given the proliferation of step based recovery, uh, abstinence and the promotion of it in this area? So how do you think your message received through the AA people and on social media in general? Um, on social media in general, um, you know, for people who are looking for an answer like I was, they are ecstatic to hear a message like the Sinclair Method. And I, I mean, if you scroll through the comments on a lot of my videos on TikTok or YouTube, like you'll see people talking about how this medicine has saved their life or this method saved their life or they went from, you know, a bottle of whiskey a day to two beers a week. You see these success stories all of the time. So for people who are looking for it or who are on it, you just like the, the comments and stuff don't don't lie. So I think in general for the people who are receptive, like it's it's can be life saving, just like it was for me. I stumbled upon it on YouTube. That's how I learned about it. But for those who are really 12 step or abstinence based, they're there are some that are supportive of it and they're like, cool, whatever works for you. You know, I'm, I'm not here to say what's right for someone else, but there's like this small group of the hardcore 12 step or AA folks who they'll say things on my videos. Like you're going to relapse. Like there's no such thing as an alcoholic drinking normally. Like we'll see you back in the rooms before you know it, or 12 steps is the only way. And so these kind of negative type of comments that really just to me show that somebody doesn't have an understanding of how the method and medication works, which I, I get it. It's a completely counterintuitive approach to address this issue. But, you know, there's a, a small percentage of people who are really opposed to this treatment and they, they say so, they make it known for sure. Um, <laughs> but I would more, you know, a smaller group of people. Um, yeah. It was kind of shocking for me at first when I was like newer to social media and I'd get these nasty, hateful comments and it would yeah. like, really hit me, but now I'm kind of used to it. Yeah, because you come across as such a mean and hateful, like, uh, you know, uh, dangerous person. 
I mean, yeah, right. these people, dude, if I, I, this is what I tell those people now. I'm like, if that is recovery, how you act and how you treat and talk to people, yeah. telling them they're going to drink again and wishing that they would drink again so they could find their way back to the rooms. If that's recovery, I don't want to have anything to do with your yeah. recovery. You can, you can absolutely keep your recovery right where you have it. And yeah. And, and it's, uh, I think you handle every single one very well. And that leads into the next question. You know, is it difficult to find common ground? Are, are you able to find common ground uh, with most people you think? I feel like I can. I feel like, because I'm going against, I'm out there saying crazy things like, I'm not an alcoholic anymore because I don't drink. Yeah. And who boy, do people get freaked out about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think the way that you handle yourself is, is very admirable. Um, can you, is it easy to find common ground? It's funny you say that because I made a video once where I, I just like casually, I was like, I'm a former alcoholic and I, I really feel that way because I feel cured. And I, I was not expecting the hate I was going to get on that. They're like, former? Who says you're a former? Like, you're oh, always an alcoholic. I do because it's my life. I Jesus know. H. I know. It's funny. Um, Yeah. I, uh, I'm i surprised, like, to your point, like, I, I'm glad you kind of don't, don't, like, some people say calling themselves an alcoholic really helps them in recovery. But for me, it was not helpful, it encouraged me to drink more. And I don't want to have that identity on me for the rest of my life. So um, yeah, to your question, like, I have kind of stopped trying to find middle ground with people. I would say most of the time, no, I don't find middle ground. Sometimes there'll be somebody open enough to be like, okay, cool, whatever works. But those people that are taking time to leave a comment and tell me how I work for a pharmaceutical company and that, um, which is not true. Naltrexone is generic. Like nobody's making money off this medicine. It's very cheap. Um, oh, okay. you know, okay. those people, I realize they, they just want to fight and they don't really, they don't want to learn about other things. And so I used to spend a lot of time trying to respond to them through videos or comments and sending links to the science and things like that. And it was just not very fruitful. And what I've learned is that like my message is not to try to change their minds. My message is to reach people who are currently currently struggling and looking for a solution. So I am really choosy with like the battles I pick. And honestly, I don't really fight those battles anymore. Like as of the last six months, because I, it just, it drains me and it's, hard to get anywhere with someone whose mind yeah. is already made up and believes that the 12 steps is the one and only way that someone can get better. And and this is just coming from me. This is not reflect Katie at all, but I feel as if they've traded one addiction for another and yeah. that they, they have to think and in, in, in group think the way they do. So um, yeah. Sarah says that this is super interesting from a medical standpoint. I love learning new things uh, uh, about recovery and support. Thank you, Sarah. Um, the next question is, I'm trying to kind of combine them. Um, I know Adam, so if I misrepresent him a little bit, he'll let me know it later. Um, he has a friend who finally had a doc that was really uh, willing to prescribe it. Is there a database of participating, participating MDs or psychiatrists who are familiar and w willing? I know that you said that you had found yours just by happen chance on YouTube. Is there somewhere yeah. now that people can go and, and look for this? Yeah, there are um, telemedicine doctors in all uh, all across the U.S. in all states. Um, there's some in Canada as well. I don't know where this person are. They in the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Georgia. I know for sure. There's 
Okay. There's telemedicine doctors across the U.S. who will prescribe, and it makes it really nice because some people don't want to go to their regular doctor or their regular doctor refuses the prescription because maybe they don't know about it or they're not comfortable with treating alcohol use disorder. So, um, yes, there are physicians in all 50 states. Um, like if people join our program, we can refer them to the doctor that we work with. He's a telemedicine doctor. Or there's um, a listing on a nonprofit website, which is C three t h r e e foundation dot org um so yes there's there's a few different providers they have different prices but for the most part they're pretty affordable like you pay to see the physician and then you can get your prescription um at the pharmacy or they have there's even ones where they can mail you the subscription the prescription in the mail via a subscription so you get like a month monthly supply or something like that awesome and it's almost like you knew what the next question was because um, you had said that they don't want to go to their own doctor. Um, he was talking in his follow-up question, he was talking about a friend um, who was trying to find somebody to prescribe him this. And he kept finding people just encouraging him to go to AA. Yeah. Same thing happened to me when I first learned about it in 2017, because at that point in time, there weren't this directory of physicians that prescribe. Like so much has changed in the last six years. Um, but I remember I had just moved to my area and I didn't have like a physician I was seeing yet. And so I went in my insurance portal and I called five different doctors in my area. None of them would prescribe. Um, cause I was like, if I come in to see you, like, is there an option for me to get naltrexone? None of them would. They wanted me to go to rehab. They wanted me to go to AA. They wanted me to go to detox. And so I was very discouraged because I learned about this like life-saving treatment and I couldn't even get prescribed the medicine. Um, but I continued the research and I did find a doctor who was in my state that was willing to prescribe, but it's really heartbreaking. That still happens for people where they try to go to their doctor, you know, maybe they bring a study about naltrexone and for whatever reason, the doctor won't prescribe it. I often say it's probably a 50, 50 chance, 50% chance they will 50% chance they won't. But I've even seen it where they're willing to prescribe. They're like, I'm only going to give you three months of it and you've got to be abstinent, you know? So there's like caveats like that, where it's like, that's not really like the Sinclair method of the long-term treatment. So yeah. if, you know, that's where it's great to work with a telemedicine doctor who specializes in it and, you know, will work with you on this treatment. Yeah, I just, I, I, even doctors can get shoot or stuck in their, their ways or whatever, you know, abstinence, 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 you know, that's, that's the only way to do this thing. I, it's really sad that harm reduction isn't more of a popular thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, or, or, or Matt, you know, um, medically assisted treatment, or it's not more of a permanent thing because with the success stories that you see on, on, that you have and you talk about, man, it's, it's helping people. It's saving people. Yeah. I mean, hmm. I've gone to some addiction conferences and harm reduction and medication assisted treatment are gaining traction, but it's more so for the opiate use disorder. Yeah. It's like, that's the new shiny addiction that everyone's focused on, which they should be. I'm not trying to negate that, but it's like yeah. kind of put alcohol in the back burner and nobody's like, if you go to a, I went to a conference and like over and over again, the whole agenda for like the two or three days, it's like opiate use disorder and maybe one or two sessions about alcohol. It's really interesting. You can't go buy opiates while you get gas, you know, right. you know, you can't go get a, a Mountain Dew and, and you know, a, a fifth of opiates. You can you can do that with alcohol. And, and again, it's not diminishing the opiate opioid crisis or any crisis that we have. They're all crisis. I mean, when you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of freedom and be able to do whatever you want. But the people that want to stop, you know, um, alcohol is right in their face every single yeah. place that you go. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is uh, this has been very in, in, enlightening. Um, I'm trying to look through the comments here to see if anything. Lindsay says that she got hers from a telehealth doctor. Awesome. Justin says that the shot does help with his cravings. So okay, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, yeah, for people out there, like, because I made it six months sober one time before the Sinclair method, and it was very white knuckled. I tried to get really into fitness and nutrition and other things. And I was, you know, from the outside, my life looked more fulfilling and meaningful and stuff. But inside, I was just like, don't drink today, don't drink today, don't drink today. Right. And kind of fighting that urge. And so if I was sober then and knew about naltrexone, I probably would have tried it to see if it could have helped with my cravings. Um, so it's it's a really cool medicine. Like some people are like, so you're telling alcoholics to start drinking again to do this treatment. And that's, again, just like a misunderstanding because that's, though some people do do that. Like I've got several success stories on my YouTube of people who were sober in AA and knew a relapse was going to come at some point. So they transitioned to TSM. But this treatment is really for people who are actively drinking and can't quit and can't reduce or try to quit and they keep relapsing. So TSM is ideal for those people. But also if you're sober and you just want some help with craving, like naltrexone could work for that as well. I can't imagine if a doctor, if I would have came to see Dr. Katie and Dr. Katie would have said, hey, this is the Sinclair method. I would like you to try that. I can't imagine how excited I would have been to be like, yeah. okay. I can do both things right now. And then, like you said, though, with your experiences, it's really interesting that, oh, yeah, I can drink. And then, oh, shit, I didn't drink today. You know, that's really cool. And that would have really, you know, because I, I was, do, I, most alcoholics that drink like you and I did, um, mm -hmm. there is something go, else going on that you have to deal with. But you can't deal with that stuff when you're drunk all the time. And so, yeah. uh, like you mentioned, you know, you get some sober time and these things start to service, then you can finally, act, you know, actually approach these things and, and give them a, some attention that, that they need. But yeah. just to, to have that clear mind and give you something to help, man, it's, yeah. I, I had, I've been wanting to have you back on the podcast for a long time, because I just think this is so important to, to put out there for people. Like, I, I just think of the miserable bastard that I was, you know, three, four years ago, and where yeah. there was no hope. But just to hear something that can give you a little bit of hope, you know, anything. I don't care what it is. I Somebody come on and talk 12 steps and say abstinence is the only way. If their message gives people hope, then I want to do that too. But mm -hmm. this is something else that, that you know, everybody, you can go anywhere and hear a story like that. This is a story that that is different yeah. that I think can really help people. Well, and I honestly, like, I have mad respect for people who are, like, are able to quit drinking or quit whatever substance and just not look back. And because I, I tried that so many times. And like I said, I made it six months one time. But in the back of my mind, if I'm honest with myself, I was like, I'm going to drink again one day. Like, I just like, I'm going to hold out as long as possible. So people who quit and stay quit and don't return, like I have mad respect. And I think my challenge was I would like go on YouTube and I would listen to hours and hours of AA success yes. stories. I went to a couple of meetings, but in my area, like it just was not for me, that group. I was plugging into other like spiritual support groups and things like just trying to fill my life with things outside of alcohol. Um, but for me, I remember just listening to those stories and being like, okay, so what's the recipe I can follow? Like, how do I do this? Like, and of course there's like the 12 step, but like when I would try to mimic what other, what was working for other people, I felt like there wasn't 
a way to do it. It was like the the way that they were able to stay sober and not relapse. Like that's not something that just can happen by doing A, B, and C. It's like, I don't know what exactly causes those people to stay sober. And that was something I couldn't, I couldn't bottle it. I couldn't figure it out. It was like this fleeting thing that like, yeah, but how did you stay sober? I don't, I don't get that in your story. And I don't think any of us can really like say exactly. It's probably a combination of things. Like we really want it. You know, we have a life to live. Maybe we're just fed up or maybe like me, I just lost my interest in alcohol. But that was the thing. Like I could never grasp like, okay, but how did you stay sober? Like, didn't you have cravings all of the time or things like that? And I, I've learned not everyone has alcohol cravings like I did, which I, I find interesting. But Lucky bastards. Yeah. I, know. Uh, I mean, I, I still, you know, I, I want to drink sometimes, but there's way more days that I don't. There's way more days that I don't think about it or it's like it's more of, okay, well, I'm going to be a nerd tonight and play some video games. There's more of that. Yeah. I can't I can't wait to watch uh, WWE with Miley. You know, stupid things like that are in my head. Yeah. But those are more those are more frequent than than the man. I really got a drink today. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it it's hard to tell when it happens, too. You know, that's a frustrating thing for somebody that's just getting into this, too, because you know, I got to my year and if anybody asked me like, okay, when did, when did it happen? When did you like, when did you turn the corner? Like, I have no idea. It was just <laughs> gradual progress, progress. And then all of a sudden I'm at a year, you know, like it's yeah. really, really hard to explain. Yeah. And I was recently going through an older interview I did with someone who did, he was in AA for two and a half years, sober for two and a half years, but um, he was talking about uh, how he was extremely committed to the program, doing all the step work, volunteering, being sponsor, all that. And he, it, well, he's like, it's not working. Like I'm doing everything. And they're like, well, pray harder, get more involved. Oh, and he just yeah. couldn't get it to work, even though he's following all of the steps. And he talks about his experience, which is part of the Sinclair Method research of something called the alcohol deprivation effect, where when you're sober from alcohol, after your brain has become addicted, you can become deprived of it to where the craving kind of shoots up and all you want to do is drink because of your brain kind of craving that reward from the alcohol. And so um, I, I've heard stories like that a lot from people who are doing everything in AA or going in and out of rehab or IOPs or whatever program. And they're like, this isn't working. I still want to drink. Like, am I just supposed to like fight that craving for the rest of my life? And um, yeah. And, and when you said like, you get those cravings, like naltrexone, can be used in those moments. I remember the longer I was on the method, the Sinclair method, I was going longer and longer without drinking, but there'd be days where I'd be like, okay, I feel like having a drink today. So I'd pop naltrexone. And by the time the medicine set in, I'd be like, I don't feel like drinking anymore. So I saw it working as an anti-craving medicine for me as well to where I had the urge, I had the craving, took the naltrexone, but then I changed my mind. I was like, that ah, doesn't sound good anymore. So um, yeah, I experienced that as well. That's so, so important. You know, we're, uh, we're getting down to the end of the interview and that we got uh, the most viewers that we've had. So just to kind of recap, uh, you know, Katie is um, Katie. Well, you, you go ahead and just recap who you are and what you do uh, real quick before we yeah. get to the end of this thing. Yeah. So um, I'm a Sinclair method success story and I'm a huge advocate of naltrexone for alcohol use disorder. Um, starting in 2017, it freed me of the addiction. And I just started telling my story on YouTube and that turned into me coaching. And now we have a 
private online program that supports people through the treatment um, at thrivealcoholrecovery.com. Um, and on my social media, I'm always putting out lots of videos and content on TikTok and YouTube and X and Instagram and things like that. So if you're just curious to learn more about it or follow along, you can find us there. Yeah, hit pause right now and re-listen to those last 15 seconds to write down all that stuff. This is really good information. She does great videos, uh, has great stories to talk about, or people talking about their success success stories with Sinclair Method. Um, Katie, thank you for doing this. Um, you know, it's, man, any pathway that we can put out there for people to walk, I think is important. Um, anything yeah. that's worked for anybody. And this one, I think, can work for people. And I just... I have a lot of people that follow me that are that are strong AA people. I, I just hope that people can find, you know, uh, I, most people I think are, if it's working for you, then do it. I don't care. You know, it wouldn't work for me. Like right now, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hmm, should I go get some naltrexone? And, <laughs> but it's like, no, dude, you made it this freaking far. You're good. Just keep doing what you've been doing, you know, but that, yeah. that, that little bit of whatever in my mind is like, hmm. So, yeah. So I, I know that it's not for me. I'm past that point and I'm living, you know, with purpose and happiness today. Um, it's not, it's never perfect, but it's, it's way right. better than it was. And so thank you so much for coming on and sharing this, Katie. Um, very, very great stuff. And uh, I, let's stay in contact and, and I'll keep trying to promote your message because it's a good one. Thanks. Same to you, Scott. You're doing awesome work. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for listening, guys and gals at home. Make sure to like and subscribe. And if you have a question later on, if you listen to this later on, get it to me and I'll shoot it over to Katie and I'll, I'll let you know what she says or I'll tag you in it if you're on social media with us. So, all right. Thanks again, Katie. And uh, we will talk soon. Bye. Bye.